This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. I'm Tomahome. And I'm Charles. Hi, Charles. Hey, everybody. From the Bibliophile Stalker blog. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The legendary Charles Tan. Yes. Of SF Signal fame. <laughs> And former SFF audio fame. <laughs> hey, <laughs> didn't didn't the, somebody send you to uh, World Fantasy or was it Worldcon? Uh, it's World Fantasy. You've gone and gone and come back. Yeah, so, yeah. I I remember uh, Scott. I think sent some money to do that. You didn't bet. you, Scott? Yep, uh, sure did. Uh, uh, I gave my moral support. Thanks, God. Oh, of course. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. God. Yep. <laughs> you bet. That's how, how did that go? It, it was fun. I met a lot of uh, people. That's cool. I, I, I even got lost, and uh, he who, not, who shall not be named uh, even Todd Murr. Voldemort. To find me. Patrick, Patrick. Oh, yes, he who should not be named. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's how you should refer to him. Family. I'll just say Voldemort. Mm, Thank you. Right. Cool. All right. All right. Uh, so we got some new releases. Yes, we do. And uh, I have a, arrivals, yeah, I have a stack of things here that have come in. And let's uh, start with John Scalzi. Um, this one is Fuzzy Nation. Performed by the legendary Will Wheaton. Um, so this is a sequel. Has this come in before? Um, I think it's an old one. Okay. It's, I think it's new. I think it's new on CD though, because okay. it was okay. It was available on Audible a while ago. Gotcha. Really nice length. Six CDs. Um, yeah. Jack Holloway works alone for reasons he doesn't care to talk about. 178 light years from Xeracorp's head office on Earth, hundreds of miles from their headquarters on the planet. Jack is content as an independent contractor, prospecting and surveying at his own pace. Then in the wake of an accidental cliff collapse, Jack discovers a seam of unimaginably valuable jewels to which he manages to lay legal claim just as Xeracorp cancels their contract with him. Briefly in the catbird seat, Jack pressures Zeracorp into recognizing his claim and cuts them in as partners to help extract the wealth. But there's another wrinkle um, to Zeracorp's relationship with the planet Zarathustra. Their entire legal right to exploit the verdant Earth-like planet is based on being able to certify to the authorities on Earth that Zarathustra is home to no sentient species. But of course there's a small furry biped that lives there. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, one, oh, yeah, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that. Tribe of them. Yeah. I read the original H. Beam Piper book that it was based on, mm-hmm. and a uh, yeah, a little fuzzy. And I was a big fan of that. Uh, it's kind of a weird, um, weird sort of old-fashioned science fiction book, but uh, good. And didn't is this his rewriting of it, or is this the second book that he wrote in a I fuzzy think, series? I think this one's 100 percent his. Okay, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a we were we working on it. It was a sword and laser uh, book, and uh, I read it. That's the exact same plot as as the uh, fuzzy little fuzzy. Yeah, it's supposed to be more politically correct. What, what were you going to say, Charles? Nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're you're saying 
he rewrote Little Fuzzy, and this is the book. I thought it was a sequel, but it's not. Uh, well, the 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 plot you just described is entirely Little Fuzzy. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, there's it's it's a legal court case, and there's a guy who lives alone on a planet, uh, and <laughs> he has to defend the rights of these people against this evil corporation. And yeah, it's ba- it's basically the same plot, but it's, it's like more it's modern. Identical plot. I think that the writing it's completely rewritten, though. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay. Well, it's, it's like if a, a new movie version of something just came out, or a retelling, yeah, gotcha. like like a new Star Trek movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We worked the old Star Trek. All right. Um, it's it, it's good. It's snappy. Okay. It's funny. Cool. Did, you re- did you read this already? Yeah. Oh. It was Where? a sword and laser book pick for a month. Oh, okay. So. All of us read it. I gotcha. Nice, nice. Charles, you didn't read this one? No. Okay. Okay. Before right. your time. <laughs> okay, next up I've got uh, WWW Wonder. Um, this is the third book in Robert J. Sawyer's uh, World Wide Web series. Performed by Jessica Almaze, Mark Viator, Oliver Wyman, and Anthony Hayden Salerno. Um... We, we've uh, talked about these books uh, here several times. Um, yeah, The Advent of the Web Mind, a vast consciousness that spontaneously emerged from the infrastructure of the World Wide Web, is changing everything. From curing cancer to easing international tensions, Web Mind seems a boon to humanity. But of course. I read the first one. Yep. In that series, it's. Uh, I read all three. Oh, really? Wow, you, you're reading up a storm here. <laughs> but hey, these think? are old books. Yeah. Not that old. Yeah, not that old. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Robert J. Sawyer's newest book, except for the one that just came out. Right, Triggers yeah. is the one that just came out. I think right. I think that's coming from Brilliance too, isn't it? Um, is it I haven't. I don't have an audio version of it. Yeah. I think it is on Audible though, isn't it? I, th- I yeah, thought I, I saw it. It, there. it was on Audible in April, actually. I think it was simultaneously okay. released with the hardcover. No, 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 the hardcover just came out, but it was on Audible in April. Oh wow! So oh, that's they had neat. a preview, I guess. That's cool. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. I mean, I guess the WWW is a young adult, but uh, I liked it. I mean, it has a lot of science and morality and stuff. I'm not what sure it's young it. adult. I think it's just got a young adult main character, is it? it it's. it's yeah, that's more... how I took it. Really? Okay. Because yeah. have you read a lot of Sawyer? Because it just seemed like regular Sawyer to me. Like, he, he wasn't trying to aim the audience down. At yeah, I, I guess the only difference is the main character is young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably the same level as like flashback, flash forward. You mean yeah. flash forward? Yeah, he 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 doesn't tend to dumb things down. Right. He's, he's uh, one of the things I like about his writing is is he always he is always interested in doing explanatory science stuff. Yeah. If anything, you'll just learn some new uh, technology. Yeah, or you know the latest research you know that somebody's doing in in some interesting area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so WWW is about uh, consciousness and how this uh, entity becomes conscious on the internet. Yeah, the f- the first book it felt like it was um, it, like it was a, uh, a a working towards something later, uh, and I, I just wasn't into it enough to to do the the something later. But it was it was very well written. It could have stood on its own, you know, like it's it's sort of the 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 uh the build up to 
uh, contact between two different groups of people. And, and it had some good stuff about, you know, uh, the philosophy of, of private languages and the philosophy of, uh, of consciousness. It, it's, um, if, you're into, if you're into those subject areas, it, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, how did it end, Tam? You read all three? I, I, I could totally spoil this trilogy right now, but I, I won't. Did it end well, is what I'm asking. I, I would say it ended well. Okay. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, Brilliance is doing some pretty interesting stuff. Um, we talked before about a bunch of angry robot titles. Mm-hmm. Um, angry robot. Yeah. <laughs> From the publisher called Angry Robot. Well, they've uh, just released three more. Um, one of them's called Giant Thief. Looks like a fantasy by David Tallerman. Has a really nice cover art. Um, performed by James Langton. Um, it says, Meet Eddie Damasco, rogue, thieving swine, and total charmer. Even the wicked can't rest when a vicious warlord and the force of enslaved giants he commands invade their homeland. Damasco might get away in one piece, but he's going to need help big time. And he's got a big help there. That's yeah, a good cover. it's a really nice uh, painting. It looks Gorgeous. like a photograph in the foreground, and uh, you know, like that. The it looks like they got a model to do the 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 main character, and then sort of a fantasy background. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then this one also from Angry Robot is called Empire State, a novel by Adam Christopher, performed by Phil Gigante. It says uh, Cory Doctorow says as captivating as a kaleidoscope. Um. Cool says, cover on it. Yeah, the Empire State is the other New York. It's a parallel universe, Prohibition-era world of mooks and Seamuses that is the twisted magic mirror to a bustling Big Apple. It is a city where sinister characters lurk around every corner while great superheroes who once kept the streets safe have fallen into deadly rivalries and feuds. Not that its colorful residents know anything about the real New York until Detective Rad Bradley makes a discovery that will change the lives of all the inhabitants. And then it says, Playing on the classic Gotham conventions of the Batman comics and HBO's Boardwalk Empire, debut author Adam Christopher has spun a smart and fast-paced superhero noir adventure that will excite genre fans and general listeners alike. Interesting. uh, Cool. Yeah, the, the guy on the left on the cover... He looks like the you know the Sandman character. Uh, there's a classic Sandman uh, from I guess the DC universe, and then the guy on the right. He looks like he's he's uh, the Rocketeer or something. It's a it's a cool feeling it, the cover gives you, and the reviews seem very very pulp. Sorry, very pulp. Sorry, very pulp. No. Yeah, pulpy, uh, but also you know like um, Rocketeer is. Is uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's it was based on a comic book and it's sort of a comic, comic y superhero, uh, uh, red panda sort of feel to it. Actually, you know, I, I that's the other thing I picked up yesterday at the comic book store, uh, is the shadow Happy free comic day, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the shadow, uh, and the Spider, which are the two pulp reboots of uh, those old pulp characters done as comics. And one of them's written by Garth Ennis, which is pretty amazing. Oh. 
I started was the art it this morning. It art's good, but uh, writing is great. Writing cool. is great so far. Cool. Yeah, okay. the, the, this book was a sword and laser uh, book pick too. I, I haven't read it, but uh, it seems like the the people were split on it. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the reviews, and they are very split. Uh, Charles, have you read this one? Uh, not not yet. Okay. Because I know Charles is in the Sword and Laser group too. So. I... Yeah, but I only recently joined just uh, like last month. So, oh, okay. so I'm not like the Tomahome who's been there like forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I usually don't read the, along with the same book, but uh, somehow I find things to comment about anyway. <laughs> cool. But I did read uh, Fuzzy Nation. Awesome. Yeah, I might be in up for this one. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'll read some more reviews. It, it's it sounds pretty cool. Um, Phil Gigantes is great too, which would make it a uh, uh, a good listen, even if it's if even if, if it's uh, sort of light. Mm-hmm. But um, how long is it? Uh, it's ten CDs. Um, so, yeah, it's not insubstantial. Twelve hours. But, yeah, twelve hours. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay, so, and then so, the uh, when you listen to. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, I w- was wondering. So, when you listen to audiobooks, is it like on one point five speed or times uh, two? Not if it's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. or, or you know, if if we're going for a deadline, yeah, it can be one point five or t- times two. But uh, yeah, I normally listen just on regular speed, but I have, if I'm in a hurry, um, put it on one point five. And some some readers are too slow. And you, mm-hmm. you need to boost the speed just because they they speak slowly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I read at one point five. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, if there's like a read along the next day, I'll I'll resort to one point five speed. Mm. Okay. Um, the other angry robot title we have from Brilliance is called Dead Harvest by Chris F. Holm. It's called The Collector Book One, performed by Brian Vander Ark. Uh, the back says, meet Sam Thornton. He collects souls. Sam's job is to collect the souls of the damned and ensure that they are dispatched to the appropriate destination. But when he's sent to collect the soul of a young woman he believes to be innocent of the horrific crime that's doomed her to hell, he says something to no collector has ever said before. No. The, the they're they're doing something special with their covers. The mm-hmm. angry robot people. This this is a uh, looks like kind of a penguin, you know, old fashioned two two tone art thing. It's um, whoever's doing their art direction is uh, pretty smart because mm-hmm. I'd pick that up. I'd pick that up and start looking at. It. And it's getting very very good reviews. Fourteen reviews and five stars. That's nice. Unusual. I can put that on my stack. How how uh, long is that? Uh, eight discs. Um, yeah, that's nine that's nine and a half length. hours. Good length. Chris mm-hmm. F. Holm. I've not heard of him before. Mm-mm. I have not. Okay. Just, are you looking these up just as he says them? Yep. You're fast. Okay. Now <laughs> the the other cool thing that's new from Brilliance Audio is that um, they seem to have gone in partnership with Bolinda Audio. And we've had a few Belinda titles in in the past. They're an Australian publisher. So here I've got three audiobooks that um, it says presented by Brilliance Audio, but on the uh, edge covers it says Belinda Audio. 
Um, the first one is called Dreamquake by Elizabeth Knox, read by Edwina Wren. Um, it says it's actually a sequel to, um, I don't have the first one here. It's, uh, it says the explosive and captivating sequel to Dream Hunter. Um, the horror of the Rainbow Opera riot is the talk of the country. Dream Hunter Grace Tybold's reputation is in tatters and Laura is in hiding, but the nightmare has only just begun. Rumors about the government's torture of prisoners has been suppressed and corrupt minister Cass Doran is free to take his plans to shocking heights. For at a secret depot deep within the place, a new terrifying dream has been unearthed, waiting to wreak havoc on the country and give Cass Doran ultimate power. So it says for grade nine and not. <clears throat> okay, so it's kind of a YA. Yeah, it looks like it. And uh, the the so this one's called Dream Hunter Duet, and then the first <clears throat> one's called Dream Hunter. Mm-hmm. But I've not heard of Elizabeth Knox. Looks like yeah, it looks like YA. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the the, the second one. These days. Oops, go ahead. I was gonna say, it seems like everything is YA now. Like even um, who's who are the wind up girl? Paolo Pagico Lupi. Yeah. Yeah. Even he's doing YA now. Like he just has a new YA book. YA is good. Adults buy it and kids buy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's what sells currently. It's also good. You know, like can be. Yeah. It's it's uh, none of the fluff. Well, they tend to be a little shorter. I I don't know. Yeah, our next good storybook is Coraline by Neil oh, Gaiman. Good. Yeah, that's that's going to be some fun. YA. Yeah, you know it's funny. Um, I bet did Julie picked that. Yeah, she did. Yeah, because uh, she was saying she she didn't like it, and I said really, and she said yeah, it had no hope or something like that, and I said <laughs> uh, I don't remember. I, I don't think it, that's YA though. I think it's lower. I think it's uh, yeah, it's a little younger. Eight. You're right. You're mm-hmm. right. That's not exactly YA. It's uh. It's YYA. <laughs> it's designed to scare the crap out of little kids. Middle grade, it's, uh, or teen, tween, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, middle grade, I think is what they call it middle in the grade. library. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, but he does, He's he's another author who doesn't write down to his audience, right? Um, it, the vocab in in Coraline is not like substantially lower than that in any of the uh, other game and books you read. Mm-hmm. His his characters use smaller uh, vocabularies, but he doesn't. You know, in in the writing, it it may be that he's he has children in mind, but I don't feel like uh, <laughs> I, I'm being talked down to when I'm reading his stuff. When it's you know either that or the graveyard book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only read the comic book version, not the book version. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to read the comic book version. Do you have it, or did you just borrow it from the library? What did you do? I just uh, borrowed it from the bookstore while sitting there. <laughs> was it <laughs> written by? Library. Was it written by Neil Gaiman? Um, I don't remember. I I think it's. I, I assume so. I mean, he wrote Sandman comics. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay, the uh, next one from Belinda Audio, presented by Brilliance, is called The Novice by Trudy Canavan. Trudy is T-R-U-D-I. Read by Richard Aspel. Black Magician Trilogy, book number two. 
Um, Sonia knows the other novices in the Magician's Guild all come from powerful families, but she also knows she can turn to Rothen and Danelle for help when she needs it. That is until someone starts spreading malicious rumors about her and Akarin the High Lord steps in. So uh, it looks like a kind of an epic fantasy. It's pretty thick as well. 15 CDs. Mm. Cozy fantasies. That's how it's described. Cozy fantasy. Cozy, yeah. <laughs> it says, uh, if you enjoy cozy mysteries that contain very little sex, violence, profanity, or blood, you may enjoy this cozy fantasy. Mm. Oh. But you uh, see, Trudy writes like epic fan- uh, an epic fantasy series, so... Did you say unepic? <laughs> no, sorry, an an yes. Yeah, no, I was just thinking like unepic. That'd be like I don't know, sitting in the sitting in the library reading a book <laughs> when a uh, ghost comes uh, in or something. So, so I I figure it's part of a long series. Uh, well, they they probably put out book one. They don't usually put out like a, uh, you know, the the second in a series only with audiobooks, do they? I don't think they do. We probably just missed the first one. Let me mm. see if I got it here. Black Magician's Trilogy. The High Lord is book three. And Magician's Guild is book one. And it looks like they're all available. Cool. Cozy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then another epic. This one even larger. 19 CDs is by... Ian Irvine, Dark is the Moon is the title. Uh, this is volume three of The View from the Mirror, read by Grant Cartwright. Um, Rolke the Great Betrayer is free at last to use the deadly construct he has spent a thousand years perfecting. To succeed, he needs just one thing, Karen's sensitive talent. Um, so it sounds kind of along the same vein there. Um, it doesn't look yep. like it's in a series, though. Well, it's the third book, it does say. Volume okay. 3 of The View from the oh, Mirror. Okay, A Tale of Three wor- Worlds is also what I'm seeing as a subtitle. Yeah. Is it's this a-, a cozy fantasy as well? Um, in the same vein as uh, uh, previous books in the series, I guess. Yeah. Okay. All right, here's... Uh, now I've got one here from Blackstone. Um, it's called Hemlock Grove, and I've been hearing buzz about this book. Um, it's by Brian McGreevy, read by Sean Runette. Um, it says, The body of a young girl is found mangled and murdered in the woods of Hemlock Grove, Pennsylvania, in the shadow of the abandoned Godfrey Steel Mill. A manhunt ensues, though the authorities aren't sure it's a man they're looking for. Some suspect an escapee from the White Tower, a foreboding biotech facility owned by the Godfrey family, where some believe unethical biological experiments take place, and etc. from there. Um, it says he's currently writing and co-producing the TV adaptation of Hemlock Grove for Netflix. Hmm. Huh. So, yep. I think that uh, there's another Netflix series in the works as well. This is a very nice trend. Mm-hmm. You have stuff produced directly for the actual provider without advertising in it. It's uh, it's more like HBO, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so the, the cover uh, the cover's cool. It's got an arm of what looks like it could be a werewolf arm on it. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. a different picture than I'm seeing. Um, hmm. Hmm. Um, Big yeah, hairy arm. It's got a, an H and then like a werewolf's arm, right? In yeah, the pink that's background. what I'm looking at, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, reviews on it are very mixed, though. Um, lots of five stars and lots of one stars and just a few in the middle. But uh, people are saying a gothic tale, uh, gothic horror. And then uh, this is interesting new thing they're doing on um, Amazon is finding numbers of people who said something very similar. I guess they're using some sort of algorithm that looks for identical wording. Yeah, yeah. I think there's you can tag uh, books now. Ah. It, it's above. It's it's below. It, it's below the details, so you can add your personal tag on what you think it's like. Huh, that's neat. Very uh, cool. So yeah, it says um, seven people said a similar statement to this. The characters are not very well developed. The storyline is mediocre. Five people said I wanted to like this book. However, something's wrong. If I struggled for almost two months to read it, and then the third one says. The characters, there are too many, never really go anywhere, never really get under your skin or make us care about them. And six people said that. So it's like, I guess when you're writing up your review, you say, I'm, I'm with this camp. I'm, with, uh, I'm team uh, hated it. I'm team loved it. But a lot of people seem to do really like it. And then there are a lot of people who, who seem to think it's terrible. Polarizing. One star mm-hmm. reviews, one star minds. Somebody says. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Hmm. Wonder what that means. So, what have you heard about it, Scott? I've just seen it mentioned. Um, you know, I've been real busy lately, so uh, just you know, through my RSS feeds that I keep track of, I've just seen it several times. Yeah. You know, just you know, a blog entry here, a blog entry there, and you know, so it's just kind of out there. Uh, the the positive reviews are very positive. You know, smart horror for the hungry reader. If Twin Peaks had a sexy werewolf, <laughs> hmm. I guess it has something extreme in it that some people are offended by. Uh, well, but the, there's a literary thing I'm seeing again and again in the reviews. It says finally a literary horror with fangs, claws, and balls. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hmm. Sweet. Some people don't like the balls or the literary part. Well, I'm, you know, I don't see Blackstone picking up a lot of the crappy titles. Um, and this is Blackstone, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yep. So, it might be something to check out. Hmm. Cool. Sean Burnett. I don't. I don't remember the narrator, but it might be good. Okay. All right. How about this one? Um, also from Blackstone. It's called Angels of Vengeance by John Birmingham, read by Tom Weiner. Um, When a wave of energy slammed into North America, millions died. Throughout the world, wars erupted, borders vanished, and power shifted. Against this backdrop, with the U.S. president struggling to make crucial decisions in Seattle and a madman fomenting rebellion in Texas, three women fight their own battles for survival, justice, and revenge. Special Agent Caitlin Monroe, teenager Sophia Pereiro, and British-born aristocrat-turned-smuggler Julianne Baldwin each have a dangerous personal mi- mission. Um, they're billing it here. Uh, there's a quote here from a fellow named Robert Bootner. 
best-selling author of Orphanage um, on Without Warning. He says, delivers all the action and techno detail that any Clancy fan could wish for. So it's kind of a futuristic Clancy type of a book, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, it sounds like the plot from uh, some some Call of Duty episode, you know, Call of Duty game. Mm-hmm. It's very um, uh, world, in, world in a war storm or whatever. It's yeah. got an A-10 on the cover. Right. Uh, attack uh, jet. Yeah. So. Um, 14 CDs, uh, 17 and a half hours. It's book three in a, in a series uh, called Without Warning. So oh, okay. I don't think I'm going to pick up uh, in the middle of a series, but might be. Just think to find what the first one. Angels of Vengeance, Without Warning, and After America. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. He's also got one. This is interesting. It looks like alternate history. Uh, it's got a F-22 with Nazi swastikas on it. Hmm. Well, interesting. Yeah, and that's actually got high high uh, reviews. And there's an audible version. Let's see. Cool. Huh. Okay. Very interesting. All right, and then the, the last one. I think this is the last one I have from Blackstone. Um, it's called White Horse by Alex Adams, read by Emily Durante. Um, 30-year-old Zoe wants to go back to college. That's why she cleans cages and floors at Pope Pharmaceuticals. If she can keep her head down, do her job, and avoid naming the mice, she'll be fine. Her life is calm, maybe even boring, until the end of the world, when the President of the United States announces that humans are no longer a viable species. Zoe starts running the moment she realizes everyone she loves is gone. Her boyfriend, Nick, fearing he's contracted the virus, leaves for Greece. When Zoe discovers she's pregnant and entirely alone, she treks across the world to find Nick and reunite her growing family. On the way, she encounters characters both needy and nefarious, some human, some monster, and some uncertain beings altered by genetic mutation, and comes to see that humanity is defined not by genetic code, but by soulful actions and choices. Hmm. Lots of positive reviews on this, and it's, um, it says adult Apocalypse, post-apocalyptic hmm. stuff. I don't, why is it called White Horse, though? I don't know. I, I, I was thinking there was going to be horses, but hmm. it doesn't sound like there's any... any I'm sure there's I, a reason. I, I, <laughs> like she loves horses. I'm sure it's a mystery. Yeah, the reason, I'm sure there's a reason. That's cool. Maybe it's inspired by Elizabeth Moon. Hmm. She likes horses. horses too. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Okay, um, here's another science fiction, it looks like. Into the Black, Odyssey 1, by Evan Curry, performed by Benjamin L. Darcy. This is from Brilliance. Beyond the confines of our small world, far from the glow of our star, lies a galaxy and universe much larger and more varied than anyone on Earth could possibly imagine. For the new NAC spacecraft Odyssey and her crew... The unimaginable facets of this untouched world are about to become a reality. This may have been a an ebook first, hmm. uh, like a you know one of the popular ebooks that gets picked up uh, by a big publisher. Uh-huh. Because it says this edition of Odyssey has been completely edited and remastered to correct the typos and content issues that reviewers commented on the original edition. Hmm. Um, but it's getting very good reviews. 194 reviews and four stars. Cool. Yeah, it makes me think it's it's been 
you know, vetted by a bunch of bunch of people. We're looking exactly for this sort of thing. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Fifty-five people agreed with this statement. I found it very hard to put down as the plot, the action, and the description of the characters are great. Hmm. All righty. And it's science sounding, not fantasy. No, it's a sci- it's a cover says science fiction on it. I mean, mm-hmm. big planet with a ship. I I'm getting refreshed. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, next up, also from Brilliance, is uh, something that Jenny might like. It's called Deathless, by Catherine M. Valente, um, performed by Kim De Blecourt. I'm sure, I murdered that one. Um, Koshai the Deathless is to Russian folklore what devils or wicked witches are to Western European culture. A menacing, evil figure, the villain of countless stories that have been passed on through story and text for generations. But Koshai has never before been seen through the eyes of Catherine Valente, whose modernized and transformed take on the legend brings the action to modern times, spanning many of the great developments of Russian history in the 20th century. Nifty. Mm-hmm. That sounds way good. It looks like it's also not a uh, series or, you know, second yeah. book in a series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a standalone uh, book, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the cover on it, too. Yeah. Charles, uh, didn't you review this on Sword and Laser? 11 hours. 11 hours long. Was this the one you reviewed on Sword and Laser? Uh, no. I, was, I reviewed there was Mechanique by Genevieve Valentine. Right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I I might be up for that if Jenny doesn't steal it away. Okay. Sounds hmm. good. Sounds oh, good. I guess I get those two Valentines mixed up. It's Valenti. Valente, right. Right. Okay. So mixed um, up. Cool. Well, Catherine M. Valente is in this volume as well. This is a, another nice-sized uh, collection of short stories. It's called Welcome to Border Town. New Stories and Poems of the Borderlands, edited by Holly Black and Ellen Kushner, um, performed by several different folks. I um, heard about this on a podcast. Um, oh, did you? Uh, I think uh, if it SF was... Signal? I don't remember which one it was, but they it was one of the editors talking about how they put it together um, and how it was an older series and that they brought it back. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of those... Uh, Shared Worlds uh, books, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, uh, sorry, anthologies. You know, oh, like see. Thieves World. I think after Thieves World, this this is one of those uh, in that vein. So yeah, it's sort yeah. of running for like half a dozen books or or so. Cool. It's only like after twelve years now that uh, they brought the band back or something. Well, that's mm-hmm. neat. Well, listen to this lineup of authors: Corey Doctorow, Patricia McKillop. Catherine M. Valente, um, L. Motar, Emma Bull. I'm out. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it just says oh, A. A. L. Motar, so I, I don't know what his yeah, first. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Amal L. Motar. Great. Okay. Uh, Stephen Bruce, A. Johnson, uh, W. Shetterly, Jane Yolen, uh, J. Simner, um, Nalo Hopkinson. And Neil Gaiman, Charles DeLint, mm-hmm. Holly Black. Yeah. Must be a long book. Uh, it is. It's big. Uh, 15 discs. 
18 hours. I like the Neil Gaiman one's called The Song of the Song. I, mm. I, 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 want, I want to read more Neil Gaiman, so mm. I'm up for that. Cool. This, this looks good. Very nice. is called Shannon's Law. <clears throat> mm. Ours is the prettiest, says mm. Nilo, uh, is Nilo Hopkinson's. Uh, is it a, Charles, do you know if it's a mix of old and new? Is that how it I works? think it, uh, no, I think it's all new. All new, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the copyrights new. are all 2011, so um, yeah. I wonder if you need to have read the first, you probably not. No, no. No, there's some, uh, according to the table of contents here, um, it has, you know, an introduction by Holly Black and an introduction by Terry Windling and an introduction by Ellen Kushner. And then oh. fourth, it says "Border Town Basics" by Terry Windling. So she must take a little bit of time to bring you up to speed. Right there, hmm. and says, yeah, "This is uh, what this very is." Yes. Yeah. Only person who's complaining about it says uh, their their copy came wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! This novel's too. This, these stories are too wet. <laughs> these stories are too wet. Mm, how funny. Okay, um, here's another one called A Handful of Stars by Dana Stabenow, uh, performed by Marguerite Gavin. Um, L5 Colony won its independence in the one-day revolution, but while much may be forgiven, its debts haven't been. The orbital nation needs a serious supply of minerals in order to realize its manufacturing potentials, and in this solar system... The cost of lifting rocks to orbit is prohibitive. The only viable option is to mine them yourself. And this is the second in some... Uh, oh, here's the name. Star Sven's Daughter Trilogy. I would guess that's the main character. Yep, I'm guessing too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling this is an older book that's being rejuvenated. Yep, publication 1991. Wow. It has really... The paperback has really cool art, really old-fashioned, uh, you know, painted art on it. And uh, Dana Stabenow, I do not remember her from anything, but it sounds like, a, sounds like a, uh, somebody I might have heard of. She's got a big biography, hmm. bibliography, I should say. 51 books. Wow. And this is book two, you said? Yep, that's what it says. Okay, yeah, there. Oh, it's great, great art, actually. The brilliance mm-hmm. has like a uh, there's a asteroid, and then it's space, and then there's a a human face. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that's well done. Mm-hmm. Second star. Oh, okay. Second star is also available, and that's book one in this series. Huh. Oh. All right, Marguerite Gavin is also credited, I see. Okay, I wonder if they're going to do more of those. It's got very positive reviews. It looks good. Cool. And it's science fiction. Mm-hmm. Seven hours for the first one. How, How long is the second one? Um, seven CDs, so it's going to be about the same. Yeah, Eight and a half same. hours. Yep. Hey, it's, this is a nice review. It says, Alaskans in space. Hmm. Nice. Because it's cold in space. <laughs> it's very it's, cold. Other people in say space. it's an homage to Heinlein. Hmm. Cool. cool. 
Okay. Um, next up, The Outcast Blade by John Courtney Grimwood. Act two of The Assassiny. Um, performed by Dan John Miller. Uh, the newly knighted Sir Tycho. He defeated the Malumuk Nert, uh, Ma- Mamluk Navy, but he cannot make the woman he loves love him back. Tortured by secrets, afraid of the daylight, he sees no reason to save a city he hates. So this is... Uh, uh, as the Byzantine and German emperors plot war, yeah. Venice's future rests in the hands of three willing individuals. So it's kind of from that. Cool. Yeah, it's it's historical mm-hmm. setting. Nice. I don't see anything about it being a fantasy or science fiction, but uh, maybe maybe there's well, it's vampires. Is there vampires? Um, well, on Amazon it says the Vampire Assassin trilogy. Oh, Vampire Assassins. Well, then I guess that would explain. It. Just says the assassins on on the one I'm looking at. But yeah, it doesn't say anything. It doesn't use the word vampire anywhere on this that I can see. Ah, uh, okay. There's the the Fallen Blade is uh, the Vampire Assassin trilogy, and that's the same author. Hmm. Is this the same series? I bet it is. Yep, Venice. This is it. Huh. Well, that's disappointing. Oh. <laughs> There's no tattoos on the vampire. Uh, guys, I'm tired of vampires and zombies. I'm sorry. I hear you. Yeah. How about steampunk? Steampunk, you know, I haven't read enough of it to get tired of it. I, I know there's a lot out there, but I read so little of it. It's going to run out of steampunk. In fact, too. I think everything I've read, <laughs> every steampunk I've read has been short. Short fiction. Okay. Um, Warriors 2. This is just a... Um, you know that Warriors uh, big volume mm. edited by George R. R. Martin and Gardner Dozois? Yep. They released it on audio in a big thick one called Warriors. And then they released it in smaller packages. Warriors 1 yeah, and Warriors split. 2. Yeah, they split it. They did that before also for uh, the Robert Silverberg anthology uh, Legends. Oh. Yeah, they did that in 3. Yeah, they split that into three. For, so this one, they split it into two. Okay, so this isn't new. This is just a, a different package. Um, this one has stories by Naomi Novik, Peter S. Beagle, S.M. Sterling, David Ball, Gardner Dozois, Har- Howard Waldrop, and David Weber. It's it about they, 10 it, hours it, long. It's, it says for the paperback, they split it into three. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the audiobook, it was into two. But people are giving it a review saying that it's not as good as one hmm. okay. maybe they put all the best stuff you know or they called the 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 worst stuff oh no there's a warriors three <laughs> wow okay oh say that's the paperback okay i very confusing yeah i would think that they would you know i don't have that big thick volume in front of me but i mean it was huge so yeah. it would seem to me they would need at least three to get all those in there yeah, yeah. As I said, it's like the legend. It was also similar, and uh-huh. I think we get legends one, legends two, and warriors. I think those we books all... were awesome. I love those legends books. Yeah, you you have all the novellas from George R. R. Martin. Yeah, oh, and then funny. yeah, and then they had uh, they came out with a book called Far Horizons, which was the same kind of thing, but with science fiction. But there was no audio version of that that I know of. Mm. But I enjoyed that. It had a uh, 
it had an uplift story in it and a Ender's universe story in it. I can't recall what else was in there, but it was that was a cool concept. Yeah, what was ah. the concept? Novel, uh, it was novellas from existing universes written by the authors of those universes. So in the Legend series, for example, Stephen King wrote a uh, gunslinger novella, and Robert Silverberg wrote a novella set in uh, Lord Valentine's castle. Um, there was a Pern novella in it. Um, I said I meant Farmer. And right. a George R. R. Martin. There's a George R. R. Martin. My favorite uh, was the Hedge Knight. Yeah, yeah, the Hedge Knight, exactly. And then the Far Horizons was the same thing, but science fiction. Oh. Yeah, and uh, so it had, like I said, a David Brin uplift, uh, Orson Scott Card, Ender. Um, I don't recall the other ones that were in there, but there was, it was a cool collection. Oh, they should make that audio then. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. never did make that they audio, probably, but the Legends ones won't. were audio. Okay, now we were talking about steampunk a little bit. I believe this is a steampunk. You guys will tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, Agatha and the Clockwork Princess, a girl genius novel. Um, yeah. This right. is uh, Phil a- and Kaja Folio. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It, uh, it's uh, really a comic, I think, and then Nightshade yeah. released uh, the novelization, which features the same dialogue, but uh, of course there, there's n- narration uh-huh. Okay. And it's performed by Angela Daw. Um, yeah, in a time when the Industrial Revolution has escalated into all-out warfare, Mad Science, capitalized, rules the world with mixed success. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's about 19 hours long. The, the photo of uh, the Foglios uh, looks very steampunk. He's wearing a, a top hat. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a free online comic that became a novel. That I guess this is the audio version of that novel. Yeah, yeah. and and Phil Folio, he's he's an excellent artist, right? Isn't that where he comes from? Kind of his yeah, background. Uh, yeah, I, I first knew him from doing uh, from Magic the Gathering. He was doing some of the illustrations, but by then he was a famous artist. Mm, that's cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Yeah, see, now I say cool, cool, cool without even knowing I say it. Thanks, Abed. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, next up I have a pair of books for, by Lilith St. Crow. Um, this is book two and three of the Dante Valentine series. And I know that book one has come through here. Um, anyway, I'm not sure what else to say. They're both performed by Tanya Eby. How, how about the titles? Uh, the title of book two is Dead Man Rising. And the title of book three is The Devil's Right Hand. She was killing time. Now she's killing demons. When the dead call, she answers. There's no rest for the wicked. <laughs> These are all things that are on here. <laughs> so, yeah, she's some kind of a bounty hunter. Yep. Dante Valentine. So there's a pair of those. And they're about nine, ten CDs each. And number three is called what? Redemption uh, Alley? The, the Devil's Right Hand. Okay. She's got a lot of books out, this author, yeah. Lilith St. Crow. Yeah, we talked about this before. Yeah. You said okay. Dante is a man's name. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew that it had come through before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's another steampunk-looking novel. It's called Clockwork Heart by, and uh, the name is in kind of a cursive 
Okay, there it is. Uh, Dow, D, no, Drew. Drew. D-R-U, Pagliasati. Uh, performed by Kate Rude. Kate Rudd. Um, this is Clockwork Heart number one. Taya soars over Ondium on metal wings. She's an Icarus. This sounds familiar. Maybe I've read this before. A cur- I'm not the book, but the, the description. A courier privileged to travel freely across the city's sectors and mingle indiscriminately among its casts. But even she can't outfly the web of terrorism, loyalty, murder, and intrigue that snares her after a daring mid-air rescue. She finds herself entangled with the Forlore brothers, scions of an upper-class family, handsome, brilliant Alistair, who sits on the governing council and writes programs for the Great Engine, an awkward, sharp-tongued Kristoff, who has exiled himself from his caste and repairs clocks on Ondium's lowest sector. So... Yep. Getting positive reviews, and uh, people seem to like its blending of fantasy and urban fantasy. Hmm. Cool. I guess it's clock punk. Clock, clock. punk. <laughs> Gear punk. Right. Okay. Um, I, this... I think if you're an angel, you can't be a punk, though. <laughs> nice. You're okay. a cool angel. Here is a, um, some kind of a horror thriller, I'm guessing. It's called Nightfall by Stephen Leather, performed by Ralph Lister. Um, You're going to hell, Jack Nightingale. Those words uttered by the abusive father of a nine-year-old girl, the phrase that ended Jack's career as a police negotiator and has been haunting him ever since. Now that he is a struggling private detective, those words return with a vengeance when he inherits a mansion and some terrifying information. Apparently, Jack's soul was sold at birth, and a devil will come to claim it on his 33rd birthday just weeks away. It's a hard pill to swallow, given that Jack doesn't believe in hell, heaven either. But when people close to him start to die, he's forced to consider that real evil may be at work. And if he doesn't find a way out, he'll be damned to hell for eternity. I think this the premise is flawed. I mean, the whole, the whole concept of, of selling your soul to the devil is that you, you, you can't sell someone else's soul. You can only sell your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you know the only way to <laughs> do it at the end of this series would be to say, "Oh, yeah." Uh, turns out you, it's Jesse was right. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I, I mean, Scott, I would have sold your soul long ago. <laughs> Maybe they were given soul. They sold. were given soul proxy. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I it's just, it just violates the the basic deal that you make with the devil, right? Mm-hmm. You have to sell only something you own property to. Right, right. Can't you can't scam the devil? He he's the ultimate scammer. <laughs> but people okay, seem to like no, it. No, no, no. God is the ultimate scammer because normally people find a loophole in those contracts. God is the ultimate scammer. Yeah, uh, because, you know, when you sell or sold to the devil, there's usually a loophole. Or normally God interferes, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's usually, uh, yeah, you, you you find a way to trick him out of it, and the devil's like, damn it! <laughs> but, uh, or damn me, I guess, player. or something like that. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you, you certainly can't, you, can, you can't, like, have, you can screw people up on Earth, but I, I don't think you can... Uh, you can sell their souls. That's all they've got that you can't take away from them. Is the is the basic premise if you believe in it. 
right? So I think yeah. that, that there's something wrong at the beginning of this premise, but people seem to like this series. It's got 36 reviews, for four stars, so. Cool. Not to be confused with Asimov's <laughs> Nightfall. Yeah, uh, you know, there's about a, a four or 500 titles uh, with Nightfall. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've got three more. Um, this one is uh, Sherilyn Kenyon. It's a, one of the Chronicles of Nick series, which is a YA series. Um, it's read by Holter Graham, who's an excellent um, narrator. Uh, the world has fallen. Title? In, uh, the title is Infamous. Infamous. Yeah. Um, go to school, get good grades, stay out of trouble. That's the mandate for most kids. But Nick Gautier isn't the average teenager. He's a boy with a destiny not even he fully understands. And his first mandate is to stay alive while everyone, even his own father, tries to kill him. That's He's learned... Gautier, excuse me? It's, it's French. It's Gautier. Gautier. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's learned to annihilate zombies and raise the dead, divination and clairvoyance. So why is learning to drive and keep a girlfriend so dang hard? <laughs> but that That's what I always say. That, that isn't the primary skill he has to master. Survival is. Yep. That's it. Cool. <laughs> All right. And then the last, the last two that I have are both sent to us by Tor, I believe. Wait a minute. One of them says Titan. Anyway, these are hard copy uh, paper books. Um, the, oh. the first one is from Tor. It's called Commedia della Morte, a novel of the Count St. Germain by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough. Uh, mixes rich historical detail and erudite eroticism. A vivid tale. Hmm. Um, Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough has created the most remarkable and original vampire since Bram Stoker's Dracula. Says a quote on the back. <laughs> By anybody in particular? That uh, Midwest <laughs> Book Review. Oh well, that's that's a, it's a pretty bold claim. Yep. <laughs> Best vampire since Dracula. That's a pretty bold claim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, haven't you seen the uh, the blurbs for like some books like R.A. Salvatore, the next Tolkien? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh yeah. The next yeah. Tolkien. You bet. Or maybe maybe it was said ironically, like. Yeah, I think you know well, what, yeah, what, what blurbs what blurbs do for me is you know when somebody says. Uh, you know, this compares well with this book or something like that. And then I say, okay, so this is that kind of book. I think that's the value in a blurb to me. Um, yeah, but it, it, they're trying to do that when they say the next Tolkien, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The problem is, is you know, I don't, I don't think we've had a Tolkien since Tolkien. <laughs> that's true. That's correct. But uh, this is a, is a sort of a historical... Uh, novel. This uh, Commedia della Morte. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But see, it says a novel of Count Saint Germain. That makes me think that it's a series that I've not heard of. But it's a brand new book, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, twenty-fifth book in the Saint Germain saga. That, oh, that twenty-five. Yeah, that's why we don't have the. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 number in the title because uh, after point they say uh, you know what you've, you've lost track you certainly don't have all of these books because yeah. who does we barely even have them right, we published right. 
but uh, po- positive reviews all around. That's cool. All right, now this this last book that I have here is something that um, I'm actually very interested in, but I'm not going to have time to read it anytime too quickly. Um, it's called The Company of the Dead by David mm. J. Kowalski. It's this is a trade paperback um, by from Titan Books, and uh, it says on the back, "Can one man save the Titanic?" March 1912, a mysterious man appears aboard the Titanic on its doomed voyage. His mission to save the ship. The result of his efforts is a world where the United States never entered World War I, thus launching the secret history of the 20th century. Then it says, April 2012. Joseph Kennedy, grandnephew to John F. Kennedy, lives in an America occupied on the East Coast by Germans and on the West Coast by Japanese. He is one of six people who can restore history to its rightful order, even though it may mean his own death. And I like that kind of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very big book, though. This is you know uh, uh, the cover is pretty cool too. Yeah, Seven hundred fifty pages. You've got the shadow of or the reflection of the Titanic, right? Mm-hmm. Is this the co- same cover? Because I, yep, I don't see the uh, audiobook. Okay, so it there's is. the Titanic and the uh, yeah, on the again, top. Again, this is not an audiobook. This is a trade paper. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's the Titanic on the top with the Statue of Liberty. And on the bottom, there's the Titanic with the iceberg. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's got the uh, the alternate, alternate history. history and changing the past, time travel, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, it's getting very very um, well uh, reviewed. There's lots of um, websites that have. I guess they sent out sent it out to a lot of people. Yeah, they must have. But yeah. He, uh, David J. Kowalski is an obstetrician and gynecologist practicing in Sydney, Australia. Huh. He's published in professional journals, but this is his first work of fiction. Yeah. Yeah, looks 22 interesting out to me. of 23 people think that the top review uh, is a good one. This is the best book I've read in a long time. Hmm. Complex plot uh, with 744 pages. Cool. All right, well, that's all I've got here, guys. Okay, um, okay. Why don't we talk a little bit about uh, new releases, things that have come out but have not arrived. What have you been spotting? I know, Tam, you were talking about uh, an audio go Lawrence Block book called um, Eight Million Ways to Die. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a book. I always thought that Oliver Stone wrote that screenplay from scratch. That's a, it's a book based, uh, the movie's based on uh, right. a book, and the book is good. I read it years and years and years ago. It's a Matthew Scudder uh, Does it series. have profanity? Uh, it's not focused on profanity, but it, it, it probably has some. It's, a, okay. it's, it's set in New York. It's got an unlicensed private detective, former cop, as the main character. But the main thing is that it's written by Lawrence Block, so it's really, really right. well written. and. Um, it's actually a part of a series too, the Matthew Scudder series. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a long-running series. He's got a couple of long-running series. I mean, actually, three or four if we go far back enough. Um, but each one stands completely on its own, and that's um, that's actually one of the most uh, well-regarded ones. Okay, and it's about an alcoholic, or is it like a thriller? No, the yeah, the main character is an uh, is a alcoholic 
dealing with his alcoholism and some some books he's he's uh pre uh uh stop i don't know he got on the wagon and some he's still hoping to get on the wagon or however it works with alcoholics but it's very well written and um good mystery crime stuff yeah and it's not a bad movie either oh yeah i've watched that movie uh over and over again i, I love the wow. dialogue in the movie that's it's, it's with uh, jeff bridges and um I forget who else. So oh, the bad guy's people. pretty good in it too. I think. Oh yeah, I can't remember who it was, but it's a good that actor. Spanish-looking guy, Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia, I think you might be right. Yeah, that's good. I think they, I think they moved that to Los Angeles for the movie, but. Definitely. Oh, Roseanne Arquette is the hooker. It's, it's girlfriend. like from the eighties, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I read the book first, and then uh, I saw the movie afterwards. And how did that compare? Um. They're a little bit different, you know. Los Angeles is not New York, um, oh. but uh, it's a, it's a pretty good adaptation. Okay, yeah, I guess I'll know. Jeff Bridges all the, uh, is not really who I picture as as Matthew Scudder, but so uh, yeah, I'll um I'll uh, when I talk to Audio Go next, I'll put in a good word for you. Okay. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I read the uh, Kindle sample and it, I liked it fine. You said there was no audiobook on on the site. Uh, sample? Yeah, no sample. Wow. Unusual. Yeah, they should okay. put that up. Uh, what have you been spotting, Scott? What's uh... Well, on, on Audible, I mean, they're incredibly active over there. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they published a whole series of Gregory Benford novels, which yeah, they have I was talking narrators. Yeah, and I was talking with Tam. Surely I tried one of these books before, but I, I don't recall ever reading a Gregory Benford book. Right, Galactic um, Center series. Yeah, so there's like six books in this uh, hard SF series that they just put out there. Hmm. Um, yeah, that I'm, I'm going to have to give them a try. Let me see and if I Audible Frontiers. If I can find the first one, yeah, yeah. it's Audible Frontiers. If you get on their releases, they're, they're all there. Like the, yeah, the last I'm looking week. for book one. Book one is called. Drum roll, please. Let's see. Looking for book one. Um. Almost there. Let's see. I think it's on the second page. Oh, do you see it? I saw it before. Okay. Um, let me click on that. Oh, they got a lot of in that series. Five books. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them have a ton of narrators. I guess they have a lot of oh, points. Six of view. books. Wow. Are they? Are they? Holy cow! They are good narrators. Look at that. Harlan Ellison's in there. Stephen Rittnick. In the Ocean of Night is book one. Sounds like a good title. Yeah, and then the first book is uh, narrated by one guy, Maxwell Caulfield. And then the second book I've heard of, too, Across the Sea of Suns. That's a title that I recall. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's Maxwell Caulfield and Stefan Rudnicki. You know, on that same page, uh most interesting title there is actually Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. Original um, novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 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 a short novel. It's only six hours or so. Have you read that? No, I never have. But you know, uh, looking at what it says here, hmm, 1963, Rene Juliard. Uh, it might be public domain. I think uh, I tried to read it as a kid, and it seemed very different from the movie, and I never finished it. It's it is very different. What's oh, it's an audio uh, go title, I think. Interesting. Yeah, it is. 
Um, so the way it works is uh, it's kind of the inversion of the movie, which doesn't really make sense. Right? Like uh, the movie is set on Earth uh, with Charlton Heston as a human being who uh, goes into the future and comes back uh, uh, to discover the Earth has been taken over by uh, apes. And the book is the opposite of that. <laughs> and you say, what does that mean? And I say, I, if you can imagine what the opposite of that is, that's what the book is. It's, it's very different. It's just uh, on a different planet, but it's run by apes? Not exactly, no. It's just like oh. the exact same. In, it, it's basically you have to read it, but it, 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 it does not spoil the book to have read the movie. Wait, the other way around. Right. <laughs> um, it's the inversion of that. It's a good book. It's a good book. I, I, I heard uh, an audio book of it years ago. Oh, you did listen to it? Yeah, I did listen to it, and I was, I was impressed. It's good writing. Um, you can see why, um, why uh, it got adapted, because it's, it's interesting. It's, it's sort of a little bit of a French attitude, and uh, it's good. Yeah. Nobody says take your damn dirty hands off me. No, that's 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 for the movie. But it, it's got some irony in it. You know, it's it, it, what it's more like is like uh, uh, Terry Bisson's made. They're made out of meat. Is that Terry Bisson? Oh yeah. It's more like that than anything else. Haven't read that one. Uh, the, there was a little audio thing of it. Uh, they're made ago. out of meat. Yeah, the opera. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, what time. have you been looking for? Uh, well, right now I'm reading the Shirley Jackson Award uh, nominees. Oh yeah, I, I have to interview them. Oh, so those are all horror books? Um, not quite. It's like horror, dark fantasy. So, not all of them are necessarily horror, per se. How many books in that? I uh, I don't remember, but uh, there's like three that low anthologies and probably four or five collections, and of, of course the novels. No, there's novels, short stories, novelettes. Yeah. Bellas. It's it's basically an alternative version of the Hugos or something like that, right? Or the Nebulas. Uh, well, but it's a jury award. So it's it's probably more like uh, world fantasy, okay. The, rather than uh, peer voting. Is there a, a, an actual award, as in you get some money? I'm not sure. I I don't think so. Okay. Hmm. I'm looking at the authors list. Um, I'm not recognizing anybody. Do you have to be like a first time person? I oh, know Kelly Links. She's not new. Lucius Shepard. Okay, I'm just not recognizing any of the novel authors. Oh yeah, yeah, well, 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 yeah. That's what's interesting because they're not really people uh, you you expect. Uh, although this year, like, there's several short story collections that are coming out. Like, uh, Nancy, the Nancy Chris uh, Fountain of Age collection just came out from Small Beer Press. Kids Johnson will be published by Small Beer Press uh, later in the year. Hmm. So is Elizabeth a hand? Then I think Subterranean's reaching Best of Cage, Cage Baker. There's going to be a Jeffrey Ford collection, an Elizabeth Bear collection, Charles Hugh collection. 
Ekaterina Sedia's collection. Uh, Lucy Shepard's collection is coming out from Small Beer Press. Ah, from Subterranean Press. Mm-hmm. Peter Straub has a novelette. I've heard of him. Yeah, Peter Straub's a great writer. It's really scary. Ghost story. <laughs> uh, well, the one I'm thinking of was in an Otto Penzler collection from years and years ago that scared the it scared the pants off me, and uh, uh, I wasn't I wasn't wearing pants, so that'll tell you uh, something. You don't remember the title, do you? I'm trying to remember. It's it's okay. like Mister Mister something, and uh, it's two Misters, and it's uh, you know I probably got it on my shelf. Hang on a second. It's uh. Really scary. <laughs> really scary. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Mr. X? Uh, here it is. It's Murder and Obsession is the series. Otto Penzler. Put, put up a book on tape. Books on tape. And, oh, this is volume one. Where's volume two? No, I don't remember. But it's, okay. it's uh, I think Murder and Obsession was the name of the series. Of um, two audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Are they, oh, yeah, then have you read uh, John Joseph Adams' anthology Armored? No, I haven't even seen it in Canada yet. Oh. Yeah, I would. I wish that they would uh, do some audios of those John oh, Joseph yeah. Adams ones, even if they were little, you know, five stories from this collection thing would be really great. It all depends on the publisher, but I, I know John Joseph Adams was uh, reviewing audiobooks before for mm. fantasy and science fiction. Yeah, yeah. I think he's an audiobook fan. Oh, definitely. Um, if, if you he worked for Audible, didn't he? I think he did reviews for Audible. I don't know. But he's he's got, you know, Lightspeed. They just put out a, uh, uh, you know, they're putting out really good audiobooks with mm-hmm. Stefan Rutnicki as the narrator. The one I heard this morning was really great. Um, oh, short stories? Yeah, it was a short story uh, by Kim Stanley Robinson called Our Town, hmm. read by Stefan Rudnicki. Very solid story. Uh, kind of um, Gulliverian, you know. Gulliver's um, Travels? Yeah. Uh, the Laputa section. It's, it's set in the future. I thought, I thought it might have been like uh, from his Stanley Robinson's new, uh, new book, 2312, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Right, is it set way in the future, and <laughs> the people live in the air, and uh, there's some. But I think it's restricted to that. our solar system. It's not like I don't think it's faster than light travel. Yeah, he's he's more of a uh, stick to the rules kind of dude. All his stuff is very well written. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, I read like half of Galileo's Dream, but uh, I just. I don't know, I just lost interest in the middle. It's pretty long. I haven't read that one. You know, the other thing he does is he writes trilogies like, you know, you really have to. Everybody makes you write trilogies. If you want to write books for a living, you have to write trilogies. But he tends to um, make them individual books, which is nice. It's not like you have to have read the previous one, usually. Yeah, I read the first Mars book. Uh, I guess it's Red Mars. Mm-hmm. But it's more, it's more like um, all the science rather than like a plot. So if, if, if you're really into the science, then you would like it. 
Mm-hmm. By the way, I found the name of that, that story for you. Okay. Called Mr. Club and Mr. Cuff. Oh. It's not in the Murder and Obsession. It's in Murder for Revenge. And it is freaky. <laughs> okay. It's my, maybe one of the freakiest stories I've ever read. Um, it involves uh, coming home. Somebody comes home. They open the front door. And they close the front door, and then they walk into the living room, and they notice that there's plastic all laid all over the floor. And there's two naked men standing in the living room. Uh-oh. Dexter. Uh, yes, except why are they naked? It's not good. <laughs> it's, doesn't, doesn't Dexter take the clothes off his villain and wrap them in plastic? Yeah, certainly. But why, why, is the, why are the two strangers in your living room naked? That's the question. Uh-oh. Sounds like Samuel Delaney. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen Samuel Delaney do that. <laughs> That's, um, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty, uh, hardcore. I think it says, uh, it won three awards as well. World Fantasy, Bram Stoker, and International Horror Guild. Oh, no. Okay. It was only nominated for the World Fantasy win. But, yeah, it's from 97. Very solid story. I wish I could just buy it by itself. Uh, well, look online. It might be an in-book. Yeah. But it's available in the Mammoth Book of Horror and uh, the Mammoth Book of New Horror as well. Okay. So you might be able to find it. I was going to just mention all the Robert Silverberg uh, Audio Frontier books. There's like half a dozen of them yeah. in the past couple of weeks. New releases. You know what's a really yeah. good book is um, Book of Skulls. And I saw yeah. that on there, read by Stefan Rudnicki. I am Stefan Rudnicki. <laughs> yeah, and on uh, the world inside, it's really going to be an HBO series. Hmm. Uh, you mean Dying Inside? I, I, I'm pretty sure it's called The World Inside. Okay. It's about like a tall building where everybody lives inside. Like there's no room in the earth, so everyone's in these apartment buildings. Oh yeah, there it is. Seven hours, 51 minutes. Sounds good. I think I might like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's coming. Urban, yeah. Urban Monad 116, reaching nearly two miles into the sky. The 1,000 stories of this building are home to over 800,000 people living in peace and harmony. 1971. That sounds good. Paul Bulmer. I am thinking that sounds very good. Oh, yeah, look at all these Silverbergs. Look at yeah. that. The Stochastic Man. I just like the title. Oh, that's a good one, too. Tower of Glass. Yeah, no, that's the cool thing about Silverberg is he wrote a ton, right? So I, I've read lots of his stuff, but I haven't read maybe a third of it. Not even, I haven't even heard of some of these. The Stochastic Man. Oh, yeah, Book of Skulls. Stefan Renicki, that should be a good lesson. Yeah, yep, good book. I've never read that. Yeah, it's about What's these. About? It's about these college students, um, four guys who were in New York somewhere, if I remember right. And in the stacks of the library, one of them finds this ancient document, and according to this document, immortality is possible. Um, and it tells in that document of this monastery, and he figures out that this monastery is in Arizona somewhere. So these four guys get in the car and drive across country to see kind of what they can do but the the manuscript says that in order for um immortality 
in order for you to have it, someone needs to, I mean, someone needs to die for you to have immortality. Mm. So, you know, they, they head across country knowing that two of them aren't coming back and Mm. two of them are going to be immortal. Sounds good. Yeah. It's it's an interesting story. Yep. Up the line. That's on there. The stochastic man. Wow. Yeah, these are good old... Shadrock and the Furnace. Shadrock and the Furnace. You know, uh, I see some new Connie Willis on here, some new old Connie Willis as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, including Remake, which I've heard heard about on Prisoners of Gravity years and years ago, I think it was. Yeah, 1995, maybe it was then. Um, It says, uh, listen to this. Um, In Remake, uh, Connie Willis explores the timeless themes of emotion and technology, reality, and illusion. Um, it's a, it's the Hollywood of the future where movie making has been computerized and live action films are a thing of the past. It's a Hollywood where Humphrey Bogart and Marilyn Monroe are starring together in A Star is Born. Hmm. Yeah, and it's nice length. Listen to this. Four hours. Wow. Fifty minutes. It's like a novella. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's what novels used to be like. That's... Some more stunning. She also has Lincoln Dreams as a new audiobook. Dying Inside, yeah, that's the Silverberg. Up the line, though, I've heard about that one. Don't know. Maybe it's a Heinlein trick. See, being a time courier was one of the best jo- jobs Judson Daniel Elliott III ever had. It was tricky, though, taking group after group of tourists back in time to the same historic event without meeting yourself coming or going. Trickier still was avoiding the temptation to become intimately involved with the past and interfere in the events. Um, it says, So Judson Daniel Elliott played by the book. Then he met a lusty Greek in Byzantium who showed him how the rules were made to be broken and set him on a family history go-round that would change the past and his future forever. Hmm. I'm liking these old Silverbergs being up there as new audiobooks. Yeah, Luke reviewed uh, Valentine's Castle. Lord Valentine's Castle, yeah, that's right. Shadrach in the Furnace. Oh, that looks good, too. 1976. These are all from the 70s. I love it. Hmm. Oh, yeah, listen to this. Uh, In the 21st century, a battered world is ruled by a crafty old tyrant, Genghis Khan. No, sorry, Genghis Khan. The second, Mao the fourth Khan. (laughs) (laughs) The Khan is 93 years old. His life system sustained by the skill of Mordecai Shadrach, a brilliant young surgeon whose chief function is to replace Khan's worn-out organs. Within the vast tower complex, the most advanced equipment is dedicated to three top projects, each designed to keep the Khan immortal. Mm, Sounds like a name from Dune. Shadrach. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they're all biblical names, right? Oh. Oh yeah, good stuff. Yeah, these are good. I'm liking that. Mm-hmm. So, anything else uh, on the horizon? Well, on on the horizon, a book that I'm excited about that you may or may not be is Existence by David Brin. Mm. It's coming out in um, June, beginning of June, I think. And I'm assuming that'll be an audiobook, but I'm not positive. Oh, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. June. No, oh, that's just around the corner. Yeah. Is that connected to the David Cronenberg movie? 
existence <laughs> with a Z on the end. With a Z on the end, yeah. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, Kim Stanley Robinson's uh, 2312 is something I'd probably look at, too. Mm-hmm. Or actually, is it out already? Yeah, it's out May 22nd, so. so. Okay. Virtually out. Yeah. Yeah, he's an author I'd like to read more of. I need to finish the Mars trilogy. I did read and enjoy the first one, but I never read okay. the other two. But it is exactly like Tam described. It's just a lot of science in it. And I listened to the audiobook. That's one of the first things I listened to when we started this website. Hmm. Um, it was from time, Recorded Books, yeah, mm-hmm. read by Richard Ferrone. That's a good narrator. And I remember uh, Richard Ferrone was on that audiobook list we used to be on. And I How actually talked to him about it. He said that was like a marathon, running a marathon oh, yeah. reading that book. Yeah. Hmm. It has a good space elevator. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Ken Stanley Robinson, you know, um, there's a new Blackstone audiobook of his, uh, four hours, four hours, uh, 4.3 hours long, called A Short Sharp Shock. Hmm. And that's read by um, Paul, Mar- Paul Michael Garcia, who is a very good narrator. And wasn't, that, wasn't that Starsky? It's a fantasy novel. <laughs> it says, this is the Wikipedia entry here. The story deals with a man who awakens without memory in a strange land and journeys through to it to find a woman he woke alongside. Um, it's uh, from the titles from uh, The Mikado, which is uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. And uh, what I think would be cool about it is because Kim Stanley Robinson, to me, he really is only a science fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fantasy novel, but it's a really nice and short one from 1990. I think it might be interesting to see what he does with fantasy because um, because when he does science fiction, it is very um, well thought through. He really he does he does his homework. Yeah, yeah. He'll probably have a complicated. Magic system and <clears throat> very historical. Yeah, I, probably I it, it'd be a simple magic system is my thinking because the complicated is for the people who really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I would say, you know. Like it like, would seem like science fiction. but it would Yes, be it, it would be more like the way Larry Niven handles fantasy, you know, which is, uh, uh, it, it, it all has to be powered by something, right? Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah. Well, John Scalzi's next book is Red Shirts. That's like uh, the person on the Enterprise that dies when you yeah. get down to a planet. <laughs> that looks like so that's, that'd be, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I hear the audio book sure. is, is going to be read by Will Wheaton as well. Hmm. I don't know right. if it's done already, but I've uh, seen that announced. Yeah. yeah, it's not released, but it should be around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yep, that should be a good, fun listen. Definitely. All right, should we wrap it up? You bet. Okay. Well, it was really nice to meet you, Charles. In person, anyway. In voice. Yeah, nice meeting you, too. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Charles. Yeah, thanks, thanks for much. being on here. Yeah. I'll see you on the Sword and Laser group. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.